It is wonderful to have you all here tonight. That is the second bell, and um, Brother James is here, so we have to start. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we're going to get started. Tonight we are going to use the microphone again, and so we, we finally we got that going. We, meaning Josh, came by and fixed that, and uh, Bo's in charge up top, so we're always thankful to them for helping us out in, uh, in so many ways. Uh, so if you have a comment, we'll acknowledge you, and uh, um, JJ will walk around and assist you. You have to use a microphone, so if you have a comment, raise your hand, kind of notify me in some way, and um, we'll get the microphone over to you. And that's for the um, for the audience in the online because they want to hear what you have to say as well. So, uh, and that would be a good thing. They'll get a break from what I have to say. So, um, we want to make sure we do that properly. All right, it's good to have you here tonight. We're going to go to God in a word of prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for for all that you've done and for all that you do, for your goodness and for your compassion. Thank you for your mercy and for your love. We ask, Lord God, that you will guide us in our study tonight, that you will open our, our hearts and our minds to understand your word and to grow in our faith. Give us the strength and energy to fight against Satan, to remain true to you. Thank you for Jesus, your great son, who died so willingly on that cruel cross of Calvary. In Jesus' name we pray and thank thee, if it be thy will. Amen. So we're, st- we're starting in Revelation. I didn't tell you, Ben. We're going to skip the first. We're gonna, I have two scriptures before we get to the slide. I, I went and did a little extra work to, my, to the lesson tonight. Uh, Revelation chapter 3. And, um, and so I didn't get it in in time to get it ready for tonight. So I'll read this to you. But I want to begin, tonight we're talking about, uh, we're still continuing Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, but Jesus being the door and what that means for him to be the door uh, for the sheep. And then with that understanding of him being the door for the sheep and of the sheep, what does that mean? What does that mean to us as God's people? And, and how important is it that Jesus is the door? So I begin in Revelation chapter 3, because the first thing that has to happen for Jesus to be the door is you and I have to open the door of our hearts, right, for Jesus to be the door. And for those who are not Christians, they have to become Christians for Jesus to open, uh, for the door to be open and him to be that door and that, that shining light that comes through us. Here is in Revelation 3, the lukewarm church Laodicea. Uh, I, I find it really interesting when you, whenever you read it and you read this passage, every time I read it, I think about Revelation 3 and verse 20. How in the world did Jesus get out? Right? Oh, they kicked him out. Think about that for a moment. Think about putting, putting God out, which leaves the door open for Satan to come in into our hearts, right? The lukewarm church, verse 20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. To to step away from Jesus. Sometimes people, we've been talking about this this week, talking to some folks that, you know, there is no, there's no in-between, there's no middle. If, if we step away from Jesus... The only, the only place we're stepping to is we step right into the cesspool of Satan. There is no other place. There's no in-between. And that's just the, the seriousness of 
religion and our relationship with God. There are only two ways. There's, there's good and there's evil. There's no middle ground. We go, well, he's okay. You know, like when you, the women, you know, you ask, well, what does he, does he look, what does he look like? Well, he's okay. There's no okay. It's either, either on the side with Jesus. And of course, that means his blood, his grace, his mercy, his kind, all those things that allow us to be on, on that side. Or we're on the side of evil, which, which involves everything but Satan. The church of Laodicea, because of their lukewarmness, uh, Jesus, you know, he had no part in them. Uh, and so he was on the outside of their hearts. He says, I'll stand at the door and I knock. I'm not going to break the door down. God will not force his will upon us. It is very important. Let's turn to John chapter 14, please. It is very important that Jesus be the door of our lives, the door as the good shepherd to watch over us and to try to do this alone, to try to live without Jesus, um, spiritually speaking, is an impossibility. can't do it without the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it without God. We cannot do it without Jesus. I mean, think about it. Think about the true weakness that we have within our hearts. We're strong until something really tragic happens. And then we realize our true vulnerability. We don't like to admit our vulnerability, but we're strong until something really bad happens. That's outside of our control. But God is always strong. And so we put our true independence and trust and confidence in Him. So the door. Look at verse 21 of John chapter 14. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Notice this information is kept from the world. There's a, a separation in the mind of God between his people and those of the world. So Jesus draws his people in a way that the world can never be drawn. Because the world cannot have the Holy Spirit. The world does not have God within them. And so the world does not have Jesus as not only the good shepherd, but the door of the sheep. And I know that that's one of those things that um, it, it's it's not a hard concept to understand because it's it's biblical, it's obvious, and it's clear in the scriptures. It's just hard sometimes to accept that some of our friends or family members uh, may be walking without Jesus uh, and not know it. And, and therein comes our responsibility to help them to know it uh, and help them to see it. But now I want to go to John 10 now. I wanted to use as an introduction to the idea of now with God in our lives, how important is it to have God in our lives? Think about that. How important is it? Sometimes I fear that some of us have lived without God as Christians for so long that we can't answer that question. You know, because everything's the same. If you look around the world, right, you think today's today and everything's the same. 
But it's not the same, is it? Spiritually speaking, it's not the same. It's only the same when we look at life through our own finite eyes and world. And it's not the same. Do you realize how many people right now today are struggling? Financially, emotionally, spiritually. Struggling from catastrophes, earthquakes, and do you realize? In our little world, everything was the same. But in other places in the world, it was not. In other places in the world, there was hunger and, 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 and thirst and all the things that, the tragic things that we aren't suffering from today. How important is it to have a life without, without God? Uh, the opposite is what I'm saying. Without God, we cannot make it. Without God, we cannot make it. Not, not, not with our sanity intact. So I'm going to talk about the evil uh, in just a moment. John 10 and verse 7. Jesus therefore said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. That means so much. Let, let's think about that for just a moment. So at night, the shepherds would would bring all the sheep to the pen. You, you all know this. It's pretty, uh, pretty elementary, I believe. But the reason he brought them was so they could rest and have security, protection from the wolves and, and all the predators, predatory animals, and even others who may harm the sheep. Do we need protection? What, what would you say, or who would you say, would be the wolf that's coming after us today? Satan, right? And Satan would use false teachers, right? You, do you realize that every time we turn on on public media, the phone or uh, a, a device or the television, that Satan is shining through? There's some message, right? Maybe it's a subliminal message, but there's some message that's coming through to draw us in, to lure us in. It's there. You know, I remember growing up, um, and and we'd we'd watch television, and 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 you'd have a, a a cigarette commercial or a beer commercial. And do you remember the beer commercial or the cigarette commercial always had a really shiny car? And what else? A lady. <laughs> And so it was almost if you bought if you bought the cigarette or the or the beer, then you'd get the lady in the car too. <laughs> it was a subliminal message. It was if you want to have fun and be cool and all et cetera, et cetera, then you can have it all if you buy these these cigarettes or drink this buy this beer or alcohol. Every day there's something coming through the radio. There's something coming through the world. We need desperately, we desperately need the protection of God. What about the protection of God from ourselves? Our own spiritual weaknesses, which we all have, right? We all have spiritual weaknesses. Um, What about the protection from ourselves? Not even from the enemy without, but the enemy within. How did he get here? I don't know. But he's in there. 
the protection from myself. The old man that died, he's always knocking, isn't he? He always wants to come out. He, he wants me to resurrect him. He wants you to resurrect him. Who helps to keep that old man at bay? Protection from myself. Protection from without. Protection from within. Jesus is the, is the, the gatekeeper, if you will, of evil. That's what the Bible says in Galatians 5, that, that uh, in verse 16, you know, the flesh and the spirit wage war against each other so that you will not do the things that you want. So that, that's the reason for the war. Ephesians 6, the war within, the war that's going on is to fight against the forces of evil. Not against our fellow man, but about the spiritual forces of darkness and the spirit world and from myself. How desperately do we need Jesus? So the sheep, metaphorically speaking, I guess if you will, using this as a metaphor, the sheep would, would, would enter, uh, at night and, and the shepherd, the shepherd would stop each sheep on its way through that narrow gate. And the gate was pretty narrow, right? And he would inspect that sheep you know, from head to toe, make sure he had no wounds, no, no, you know, no issues, parasites, etc. I mean, a very detailed inspection. And God is that detailed with us, inspecting us, you know, checking us out, giving us um, what we need uh, to to keep us in check, to keep us going. And what happens when God inspects us? And finds a wound. Been fighting. We are at war, right? We're at war. We're fighting against Satan. I mean, I don't know what your battle was like today. We're fighting against Satan every day. We should be. Um, and again, if we're not, if we don't realize we're at war, maybe things are, maybe, maybe there's something going on. I don't know. Something's going on. We're at war every day. The Bible tells us that. It makes it clear. And God inspects us to see where we're weakest and what kind of help we need. For the day. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad, I'm thankful he does it every day and maybe even throughout the day, but every day he always has, uh, the, the ability to not only know me, but to give me what I need to stay with him through this battle, throughout this day, so that I can be prepared for the next battle to come. Because there'll be another one. And even we have made the statement, and we have said, um, we, normally I, I, I hear this statement when, when there's trouble, not, not when there are good days, or, um, but I hear the statement, uh, every time I take one step forward, or what is it, ten steps forward, one step back, or however stated, right? It, it feels, it feels oftentimes like we're losing, but we come to God wounded. And God patches us up and sends us back out there tomorrow, right? He just, every day there is an inspection. I use the term day for our understanding and thought. When there are wounds, God heals us and, and sends us back into the battle. At night, when you are asleep, 
who protects us. I mean, the anatomy of the body, I get it. You know, this whole thing here is an old ticker. It works. Who's making it tick? <laughs> Wasn't me. <laughs> I've been watching over my vitals through the night, <laughs> right? It's God, our protector. See, in the, in the idea of the sheep pen, the good shepherd or the shepherd, would he lays at the gate, the door of the sheep pen. And he does that for two reasons. One, so that nothing can get in that's not supposed to be in. And secondly, so that nothing in can get out. You know, the sheep. You don't want the sheep to wander because they'll get lost. And they'll probably be killed by something. Um, sheep aren't very, very smart. But the good shepherd not only fights against the forces of evil, whatever's trying to get in, but the good shepherd, Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus says, I lay my life down. I'll die for each and every one of those sheep, individually, independently, and collectively. I'll die for them all. That's what Jesus says about the sheep. So, in John 10, in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Without God. If you think about all the Old, the Old Testament, you think about it, the whole Old Testament is almost like a book of the miraculous. And you might say, well, well wait a minute. It, 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 it really isn't. Yeah, it, it really is. I want you to think about some things for a moment. How could Israel have won the number of battles they were in if it weren't for God? I mean, they were, you know, God said in Deuteronomy chapter 7 from the very beginning, I didn't choose you because you were great people. You were small in number. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. And you go back and you look at the accounts in, in the book of Genesis and you see the, the providential care of God and he, how he intervenes and, and so many of the accounts in the book of Genesis over and over and over and over again. And you look at the prophets and how God intervenes and then comes the miraculous and God does this and, and then how God brings the, the prophecies uh, to pass and, and how he uses even the evil and wickedness of man for the good. I mean, it's an amazing, it's an amazing book. The Old Testament. And it brings us into the New Testament. And I know that we're beyond the days of the miraculous. We are, I understand that. I understand that wholeheartedly. But God is still working in our lives. Every single day. What would our world be like if God were not working in our lives? Think about what has to happen to um, for a Christian. You have to harden your heart. You're going to have to say, you know what? God, I want no more of you, and I'm finished. And you may not say it outwardly, but you, in your mind, express this idea that you're going to go against God, and then your conscience begins to bother you. And then eventually it becomes hardened, and one thing happens after the next. We desperately need Jesus to lay at our door to keep our hearts and our minds in check. So the question tonight, um, do you love God for the things that he has done 
and for the things that he will do, not just for you, but also for those around you and those whom you know and those of whom you do not know. You love God just for that alone. Just say, God, thank you so very much for for taking care of me. Right? I mean, not not when I couldn't take care of myself, for taking care of me because I cannot take care of myself. Because I can't see Satan. And so I don't know which direction he's coming in. I don't know where he's standing tonight. I don't know how to defend myself against something I cannot see or something I'm unaware of. And I need God to deliver or rescue and rescue me. The good shepherd. So they were, the, the shepherds were effective at the door. I mean, they, they had not only a job to do, um, they took their jobs very seriously. No man can be your door and get you into heaven. No woman, no child. And sometimes we make a child or a woman or man our doors, but no one qualifies to be that door. So let's look at John 10, verse 7. Jesus therefore said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is inviting everyone. He's inviting everyone. How many times have I refused? How many times has he invited me and I refused? How many times has, has he invited the world? The world refused him. Jesus is inviting everyone. And the problem is, oftentimes we just can't see. And I want to talk about that, and I want us to open up the floor here. I just want to kind of introduce this. I want to open the floor in a moment to find out, well, what is it or why is it that people can't see? And I want to look at, in John chapter 9, is going, going to be our, our text. It's going to help us to, to, to recognize the context as to why people weren't seeing. And what brings us to John chapter 10, speaking of the good shepherd and the open door and the light and all the things we find uh, in John Chapter 10. So, he invited the Pharisees, but the Pharisees could not recognize who he was. Think about that for a moment. They, they could not recognize who Jesus was. Not because they didn't know who he, who he was. They couldn't recognize who he was. Because he was not like them. And they couldn't understand why Jesus wouldn't want to be like them. Why wouldn't anyone want to be like me? Like a Pharisee. You know, we are the, the rulers of the world, if you will, from a religious standpoint. Um, the Israel pretty much, they don't bow down. But, you know, the idea of they bow down to us. They idolize us. We're the priests. We get to say what we want, do what we want. We're hypocrites. We're, we're everything you can imagine that's wrong. But at the same time, we're everything right. Who wouldn't want to be 
with us. That's what John 9 is carrying us into, uh, into John chapter 10. They were unable to see the door, Jesus, who was right in front of them. They couldn't see him. I mean, he's right in front of them, but, but they could not, they couldn't see Jesus. They were unable to see the door, and here are the reasons why. So John 9, we'll begin at verse 1. And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? What's the first problem with that passage? Blame shifting. Right? They assign the wrong reason to a problem. Who's, this man is blind, so we know he's a what? He's a sinner. Because if he wasn't a sinner, he wouldn't be born blind. That's what they're saying. Who sinned? Was it, was it, did he sin or did his parents sin? And that's the reason why he's blind. Was that the reason why he was blind? Well, verse 3 tells us, no, it was to bring glory to God. It had nothing to do with that. No one sinned in the sense of that brought blindness to this young man. It was to bring glory to God. It's very difficult. Let me rewind that. It's easier to blame shift or accuse someone of something or to accuse God of something to make us feel better. It's easy to do that. It feels better. I mean, it may not feel better. We may not admit that it feels better, but let's think about it. We do it all the time. Why'd you do that? Uh, well, instead of just saying, well, Lord, um, you know, I was just angry and I, was, I had no reason to be angry and I, I sinned and I just, I'm not ready to repent. And so I'm not repenting. Not yet. Who would say that to God? <laughs> but we live it. We may not say it, but we live it all the time. To shift the blame to God is easy. Now, verse 13 through 16. Let's read that and then let's open it. JJ, if you'll get ready with the mic, I want to see if, uh, let's talk about what this, what is the problem? Remember, I'm, what I'm saying to you, I'm giving you the answer, is that it was easier to focus on other people's sins than, your, than to focus on your own. Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees him who was formerly blind. Now it was a Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Again, therefore, the Pharisees also were asking him how he received his sight. And he said to them, he applied clay to my eyes and I washed and I see. So listen to the Pharisees. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was no, a division among them. And let's talk about this verse for a moment. Let's talk about what's not happening. Do you think they really care about the guy that was blind? <laughs> you know, you start reading this text somewhere in there. Someone should say, man, I don't know why you see, but thank God you see. And wow, this is great. Let's give all glory to God. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. <laughs> they don't, no one's excited about the fact that he's born blind and now he can see. They just want to know how, how in the world do you, can you see? 
And the guy said, I don't know how I see. I know the guy, the man, he put clay on my eyes, and, and, and now I see. But I don't know how. I, it must be God. And then some are saying, well, well, wait a minute. It can't be from God because they're arguing about whether God healed him or not. And they have no care about the fact that he's healed. Verse 16. We know this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a man who is a sinner, now we got a doctrinal argument going, right? How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? Now, wait a minute. So on one hand, you have, well, he broke the Sabbath. And then on the other hand, you have, well, wait a minute. No one can do this if he's a sinner. So did he actually break the Sabbath? Right? Which we know he did not. That's a sundry law is what that would fall under. Uh, when you go back and read the Old Testament, there are lots of laws that allow you to break the Sabbath, but you're not really actually breaking the Sabbath, right? Sabbath is for, uh, is a, is a, is, a, is for, from God. You're allowed to do good in the sense of if your ox, for example, your oxen falls into a pit, you don't leave him in the pit. You get him out of the pit. That's gonna take a lot of exertion, energy, effort, and lots of people to get that oxen out of the pit. But it's okay to do that, right? And then this is just one example. It was nothing wrong with Jesus healing a man on the Sabbath. But why couldn't they see Jesus? Any comments or questions? Why couldn't they see Jesus? The Pharisees and the scribes in particular here. Anyone, any thoughts? Well, I'll repeat it. They were too busy looking at themselves. They were too busy thinking about them, their lives and themselves as opposed to thinking about other people. What should have happened is the scribes and the Pharisees should have said, you know, maybe we've misunderstood the Sabbath because it's true. We've never read where a man born blind can see. Through a miracle like this. There has to be something about Jesus. But what do we know about the scribes and Pharisees? What we know is John... JJ, you bring the mic over here, please. John uh, John chapter 3, the Pharisees said... Nicodemus came at night and Nicodemus said, We know you're from God, for no one can do the things that you do unless God is with him. So it's not that they didn't know that he was God. What I want you to understand is there are people who are intentionally leading other people astray in our world today, and they're doing it from the pulpits. Yes. I was thinking about your uh, your question, and I go back to verse um, verse 1 of John chapter 9, and it says, or verse 2, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind, and we come down to this verse. I was thinking that the reason why they even these disciples asked this question, who taught them this? Who mm-hmm. taught them to, you know, blame? Mm-hmm. And it had to be the Pharisees because mm-hmm. they kept the law. They knew everything, so mm-hmm. they had to be right. And it, it goes to your comment about they only saw themselves and not Jesus. And so these disciples are asking this question because... All they've had is are the 
Pharisees to tell them the quote-unquote truth. Mm -hmm. And then um, verse 15, where it speaks to, excuse me, verse verse 16, Mm -hmm. the latter part of it, uh, what what you talked about the Pharisees saying that it was because of the Sabbath, um, he he shouldn't he couldn't have been done he couldn't be from God because uh, he didn't keep the Sabbath. But the other folks were saying, well, how could he be a sinner? And he did this, you know. And so their minds are starting to turn too, like this is from God. But mm-hmm. the Pharisees they only want to see themselves. Jesus is taking the thunder away from them, taking their limelight away. And this is you know as we know uh, is part of the start of them trying to figure out a way to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And, and how and how often in our uh, you know, when you're, you're having a Bible study with someone and they hold on to what they've been taught all their lives. Well, I've been, well, I've always known this. And then you say, but let's read what the Bible says. And how hard is it to transition from what you've been taught all your life, even though it's wrong, to, but this is what the Bible says. I had, I had a Bible class, a short one. Yeah. Nikki was with me yesterday. I think it was yesterday. And, um, and, and there was a, a gentleman, and he was, he, um, I won't tell you the whole story, but anyway, uh, it was funny. He was so excited about something in the Word of God. He was so excited. And then I just, well, no, I'm so thankful. I've been talking to him for quite some time now, uh, about the Bible. And, um, he, in town. And then he says, I, I gave him a scripture, and I said, well, you know, the Bible actually says. And then he went, oh, man, that's in the, okay, wait. So now I gotta read, wait, so I've been wrong all this time? You know what I've been doing all day? It was really, it was, um, I'm thankful to see he's, he's learning and, and pray God he'll come to Christ one day. But the point of the matter is, is that he thought everything was great. It's amazing what happens when you've been taught something all your life and everyone else is doing it. If you don't ever read the Bible, how are you ever gonna find out the truth? And the Bible was right in front of them, Jesus, and they wouldn't, they, they never read it. They wouldn't read the book. The book right in front of them. Here's a here's a miracle that John 3, Nicodemus says, We know you come from God, for no one can do the things you do unless God is with him. They knew that he was from God, but they intentionally led the people astray. And, and what I want you to remember uh, is something you already know, and that is that these pulpits are blaring with false teachers. And and, fa- and right now our, we're on, you know, we're in media, social media and, and different things. Now, um, streaming and everyone's surfing the web. Do you know how much false doctrine is going out in the world today? I mean, Satan has used this platform in a very evil way. How many members of the church have been just search, searching the web? Well, you know, no one's going to know if I listen to the Catholic sermon or whatever, right? You be careful. Because Jesus is right here in front of us. Let's not walk away from him. He's the door for our protection. I want to look at another one. I want to look at John chapter 9 and verse 20. And before we read that, I want you to remember that the one who had his eyes open physically also opened his eyes spiritually because he could see Jesus. He's like, you know, there's something special about Jesus. And and, and he surrenders. Um, John 9 and verse 20. Listen to the next one. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or, who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He's of age. He shall speak for himself. 
His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess him to be Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So a second time they called the man who had been uh, blind and said to him, give glory to God, we know this man is a sinner. (laughs) It's just the funniest one. We know Jesus is from God, but we want you to give glory to God and just say what we want you to say. Right? That's really when you, John 3 and you, you add this. Why were the parents so afraid? And, and are people afraid today in the world of religion? Does that same fear or, uh, some, some sense of that fear exist in the hearts of people today? Think about that, right? They were afraid, right, uh, JJ, back there. Uh, they were afraid because they were going to be put out of the synagogue, but while, Think about that for a minute. Why were they afraid as they were? Um, oh, do you have a comment? You. Yeah, Tony, I was just saying, based on what you're saying, a lot of times people are afraid because when, when you speak the gospel and the truth with people, you have to remember that they're afraid that they're gonna, their families are going to turn against them. They're afraid of... Their, uh, uh, you know, a lot of their friends from their, their background, you know, their background religion are going to turn against them. Mm-hmm. Just like Paul had said, he was, he was more zealous than most of the ones that, that were in his religious belief, but he was trying to say that none of that meant anything, but you, you know, not everybody's a Paul. Mm-hmm. And many people look at it and say, you know, I know what you're saying is true, but what stands in the back of their mind is, if I go with this this thing that you're saying, which I know is true, I have to give up my family. My fr- and, and it's a fear. This is what I believe his family was afraid of when they said, ask him again. Or when when the people refuse to accept the truth, they have to understand that they either have to choose Christ or, or, or as you said, the, the only other place to turn is the devil's cesspool of, of, of of, of, of wrong things. As you talk about all the religions that are going on out there, they know that it's truth. They can read it from the Bible. They can see it in the Bible. But the fear is leaving, I guess for the lack of a better word, their comfort zone. And, and thank you. And so I think that helps us to recognize, you know, fear is real and it's very real. And it helps us to recognize that we, we have to be, um, ourselves, uh, patient, right? And gentle with those who are coming from Christ, because every one of us that have come from Christ from the world, it's a big step, right? It's a huge step. JJ, one more over here. It's a huge step, and fear is real, right? That's what we're talking about, the door, Jesus, the door. We really need God's protection. We don't want Satan, what is it, the parable of Matthew chapter 13, to, to snatch from our heart what God has sown into our hearts, so the fear is real, and we desperately need Jesus, the door, to protect us in our vulnerable state of mind and living. We need God to protect us. And without God's protection, we're not going to make it. we got to really increase our prayer life, brethren, so that Satan doesn't take away what's sown into our hearts. Yes? It's kind of like the comment I made uh, last week about the fear of change. But I think also what's more pressing for us is why are we afraid why are we afraid go ahead why are why are we afraid to speak up to preach and teach the gospel Mm -hmm. because 
even though those in the world may fear changing their lives and their lifestyle, but what's holding us back? Mm-hmm. So we have to do some inward introspection too, mm-hmm. because we know the truth. Our mm-hmm. eyes should have been open, mm-hmm. but why aren't we opening our mouths more mm-hmm. and preaching the gospel? Mm-hmm. And that's a great question. Why are we afraid? If, if, if God is the door and if God is our protector, yeah, why are, why are we afraid? Am I afraid? Fear is real. If I am afraid, I've got to get, I've got to get over that. Let me, let me just answer that with me. I remember when I first came to Christ, um, I remember I was ashamed. I, I don't mind being honest. I'm not proud of it, but I was ashamed because see, I grew up, I, I was on the full boxing team and I was dealing with some really rough people. <laughs> um, and, and, um, and so for me to be a Christian and be a boxer, it just kind of didn't go hand in hand, uh, in the beginning until we started teaching the gospel. And that changed everything. Thank God for that. But, uh, it was, you know, you, you know, they're, they're carrying, you know, normally you, you think about an athlete, you know, you're carrying, you got your ribbons around your neck and you're proud and, you know, you, you don't want to tote a Bible in your hand. Um, but you, you can't be ashamed and be with God. And it took growth. And I'm thankful to God for that. But why, why was I afraid? Fear is real, right? I had no reason to be, but uh, in my own heart, because I didn't really want to change. Um, the fear was real. Yes. I was going to say, along with that, I think it's a fear that we all know, the fear of being alone, standing up, even as a kid, standing alone against the crowd. But you aren't truly alone, but that's how it feels sometimes. You're right. And, um, and I think that's a good close for us tonight. Um, feeling alone because the, the parents, they were afraid, weren't they? They were afraid of being put out of the synagogue. Uh, and I mean, that was huge because then they couldn't worship God in, in the, in the proper way. Uh, though they understood that there's, you know, maybe God is with us. Here, here Jesus is in front of us, but the fear of being alone, ostracized. What is everyone going to think of me if I, if I stand with my son? I'm standing with right, but then what about everyone else? And yeah, that fear is real. The fear of being alone, the fear of, of telling someone about Jesus, the fear of being hated. I mean, think about that. You go to your friends and you, and you give them the word of teaching the word of God and, and they say things like, you know, you people, or you this, or you whatever they might want to call us, and um, you know, leave me alone. Why are you judging me? Why would why are you telling me what God says? You know, uh, that's not what I believe. Your your parent, your I mean, every, whoever whomever it may be, the fear of being alone, the fear of being rejected, fear is real. But in order for Jesus to be the door, we have to be in Christ first, right? And then once we're in Christ, we recognize how desperately as sheep we need his protection because just as easy as it is to stand up for christ and say but this is what the bible says it's just that easy also to compromise and say well yeah you're probably right maybe you know maybe we shouldn't be talking about this jesus says i am the door of the sheep we are the sheep and we we desperately we desperately need our God. So let's remember to thank our God for protecting us from others, protecting us from ourselves, um, and for helping us to be uh, better and to be the people that he wants us to be. And as we struggle and wrestle with um, 
the things they wrestled with, uh, let's acknowledge our own fears, acknowledge to God our own shortcomings, acknowledge to God our own weaknesses, and let's uh, surrender. Let's surrender to Him and allow Him to be that good shepherd who will protect us and um, cradle us, comfort us, and keep us in the hollow of His hand. And then finally, let's believe it. Let's, and not only believe it, but live as if we believe it. They'll know that we're Christians by our love. Let us not join the world of hatred. Let us love. What would happen today if you go out there and spread love in the midst of all this hate? Let's, let's be what God wants us to be. Thank you for your time tonight. Really appreciate it. God bless you. We'll come back, Lord willing, in, in just a moment. Um, we'll have a devotional and a closing uh, prayer and announcements. Thank you for your time.